Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate on the Rocks. This week, the guys discuss the new market versus the old market. What should buyers expect and what should sellers expect? Well, hey, everybody. I hope you guys are doing well today. So my name is uh, JC Ortega. I'm here with Oski Ibarra and Jamison Amaros. And uh, we wanted to create a podcast that goes into all things real estate. Ultimately, our goal is to provide insight as well as information for not only you know buyers and sellers, but also other agents out there who might be struggling. What we found is, and I'm sure you've probably seen this, Oscar and Jameson, is when we go to barbecues or kids' birthday parties or even school pickup or drop-off, what's the first question you guys get asked? How's the market? What are the rates? Oh, man. You know, Must be tough business right now, huh? Why'd you get into this job? How much do you drink? <laughs> well, that, funny, that, funny you should say that. Is that your fourth drink? Well, we don't count it here. We don't, we don't count that much. And this is why I'm bald now, right, to be yeah. honest. But uh, we thought, you know, as, as much inf- uh, times we get asked this and, and as much time as we spend kind of researching and seeing what's out there, we'd love to be able to provide our expertise and our experience with you. So, um, you know, but here, Jameson and I are, are on the Metro 50 Home Team over at Fathom Realty. We have Oscar Ibotta over at uh, Colorado Realty Pros. Um, you know, two-thirds of us make up the, one of the top 12 teams in the state of Colorado for real estate. And Oscar has been doing this for 15, 16, 17 years. 18 years. 18 years is the old guy in the room. I am the old guy in the room. But, uh, and, yeah. Well, that segues way to, you know, the struggling agents, right? Um, single agents, lone wolf out there. It's kind of refreshing to hear, hey, I'm not the only one experiencing this. I'm not the only one going through this. You know, what, what are you doing to combat this, you know? Yeah. And if you're a client and you're thinking about buying or selling a house, I mean, part of the reason we get asked all the time at barbecues and kids' birthdays how the market is because there's so much noise about doom and gloom or, you know, rainbows and fairy tales and, and our job and kind of our goal of this podcast, if you guys agree with me, is to just kind of help everybody that's listening cut through the noise so that you guys can make the most educated decision possible for you and your families. That's really it. Because you can turn on the news and there's headlines left, right, and center that tell you 18 different things. And our job being in the industry, working it every single day, is to cut through the noise. And that's uh, hopefully what we're here to do, uh, to make it easy and digestible and have a little bit of fun. Absolutely. Real-world experience of what's going on with the market. Every every market's hyper-local, right? In the state of Colorado. And then national news comes and just gives a blanketed stat and, oh, my God, the world's ending. Yep. 100%. Could agree more. Excited to do this with you all. Uh, and to uh, throw a little twist in it, uh, we've come up, or I should say we, Jameson has come up with a fantastic name. Jameson, you want to introduce the name of this podcast? Yeah, so this is going to be uh, Real Estate on the Rocks uh, with yours truly and Oscar and JC. Uh, we're going to come at you weekly and uh, we want to do a little fun twist where we talk about real estate and we also talk about bourbon, two of our favorite topics and subjects. Uh, and every week what we're going to do is we're going to crack open a new bottle of bourbon. Uh, we're going to review it and uh, sip on it. You guys welcome to join at home uh, throughout the podcast, and at the end of it, we'll get we'll give you guys a review uh, and let you know if it's something that you should uh, skip, or something you should go absolutely right away and hunt down for yourself. So today uh, we are actually going with uh, Smoke Wagon Small Batch Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's out of a distillery in Las Vegas. If you guys haven't had it yet, it's one of my favorites. Uh, for fifty bucks, it's probably one of the best buys. Very smooth drinking. You can drink it straight on the rocks. Have it in a Manhattan, an old-fashioned, however you guys want. It is a fantastic bourbon. We're going to pour some today uh, and uh, pretend that it's 5 o'clock p.m. somewhere, right? Absolutely. Uh, interesting Just don't tell fact. them it's 9 o'clock right now, right? Uh, I'm, I believe, well, 
JC Ortega was a listing agent on the house that I purchased here in Castle Rock, and I'm pretty sure that's the bottle that you gifted me when we closed, right? I gave you the uh, Smoke Wagon Uncut Unfiltered, which is everyone's like, it's like the darling of the bourbon world right now, kind of a cult following. This is his baby brother, the Small okay. Batch. So just so you know, like, Small batch means they've basically taken small batch of barrels, combined them, blend them to put together a pretty nice one. This one is not as heavy proof. Very similar to this real estate team that we put exactly. together. Exactly. We just blended this bunch of people together to get some, uh, you know, lovely tasting advice. Uh, but this one is a, a 50%, so it's uh, 100 proof, which is slightly lower than that uncut, unfiltered, which is a higher proof bourbon. Ooh, oh, I'll take the big one. Sorry, bro. It's a cup of bourbon uh, I just got poured. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so ultimately, uh, like Jameson said, uh, we just want to be able to share um, some expertise and knowledge and also the reason why we drink sometimes is the business. So, gentlemen, cheers. Cheers. Cheers, boys. Happy to be here. Oh, so good. Thoughts, initial thoughts? It doesn't taste like it's 9.45 in the morning. <laughs> and it doesn't taste like 100 proof. That's a good no, sipper. I, it's a very it good is. sipper. It's a very good it's sipper. A very good it's sipper. a great one. Like I said, one of my favorites... Um, and uh, just to throw this out there, too, as you guys are watching or listening, um, we'll give you guys our contact information here in a minute. But feel free to throw some recommendations, too. Uh, we are we like to think of ourselves as bourbon connoisseurs, and uh, we'd love to hear some feedback and some different things that you guys want us to try on the podcast, make it a little interactive, and uh, we'll go ahead and review it. And uh, if you don't agree with our review, let us know. But uh, we're here to have some fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to kick it off today, um, <clears throat> our topic that we want to cover, which has been – um, all over the news lately is, and how we like to describe it, we call it the new market versus the old market. And how we're defining the new market versus the old market is, our old market is essentially like mid-January of 2022 through right about mid-June of 2022. That's our old market. And our new market started basically mid-June and is going through today. So we'll give you a big overview of what the old market was, what to expect there, the new market, how we look at it, and then um, some strategies for both buyer and seller uh, at, in, these, in this new market that we're in today. So big thing with our old market, Oscar, what did you think about pricing, competition, rates, expectations? What were your feelings about the old market? The old market was definitely inflation, right? Um, you'd price it, it was a crapshoot. You're gonna go 10, 15 over. People were over- On the low end. On the low end, you were, they were overbidding it was just, it was chaos. So what do you mean by overbidding? Like, you had a $600,000 home, depending on the, on the market you were in, 50,000 over, 100,000 over. I saw 150,000 over. And that was my personal experience too, when, yeah. when I purchased. James, did you have any uh, listings that you uh, um, can, as you were representing sellers? Yeah, no, we, uh, I mean, like, like Oscar said, pricing was interesting because we knew as, as realtors what market value of the house was. What we didn't know or what we were finding out as we listed a house is how many offers were coming in. And that's essentially gonna set the price. So I had a listing in Fort Collins uh, that we, we priced, in my opinion, right about where market value was at about 675. Uh, and our expectations, we were gonna potentially go over 15 to 20,000. I put the listing coming soon, seven days before one of the market. I had three offers in hand before we even went live. Which is crazy, right? It's nuts. Uh, and the three offers, it wasn't asking price three offers, you know, because a lot of times agents will go in and say, hey, if we offer them right at list and they don't have to worry about going in and doing open houses and all that kind of jazz, then a list price or an at list uh, asking price can be good. 
these were 20,000 over before we even went live. And by the end of it, we were at $95,000 over. We did zero open houses. We had 37 showings in three days. And this is up in Fort Collins, right? So it's a little bit farther away from the Denver metro area. And it just went absolutely nuts. I had agents calling and yelling at me on the phone, convincing me to take an offer. My clients, we were dealing with, you know, we put an offer sheet together and I mean, it was 17 lines long on an Excel right. sheet. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was absolutely insane. It was absolutely You needed insane. an Excel sheet with the, with the market. Yeah. It was, it was hard to keep track of the offers coming in, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and you want to price it right. And, you know, we won't get into that because of leverage and, you know, you want to do the right thing for the client. But as we go into the old market, it's kind of shifted backwards Yep. now. Yep. So, and, you know, with the old market, you know, there's a couple of driving factors I think really we can all agree on. Number one, <clears throat> rates, right? Rates were extremely low. Cheap money. We had people in the, uh, you know, high twos. Uh, hell, my, my wife and Mid-twos. I ended up buying a, vac- uh, a second home in the Lake of the Ozarks at a 2.75% interest rate on a second home, which is insane. So shouldn't be legal. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> I felt bad. Wow. So the crazy thing is, um, not only did the rates uh, bring in you know new buyers, but also it brought in investors. So these investors were competing against other buyers. And could you uh, think of a time like when you had some buyers who were getting their butts kicked? And what was that? What was that feeling for for them in that market? I mean, buyers were getting their butt kicked with cash, right? And at the end of the day, the seller's getting cash no matter what, but timeline. You have you have a cash offer, you could close 15 days later, you know, and and, and that that was a huge factor. Um, it was just, and and they had they had the cash to go above and beyond, depending on what their what their strategy, what their investment was. Mm-hmm. What were they what, what were they getting during the negotiations? The buyers, yeah, nothing. The buyers had to give everything, um, and you know, to your point, I think the the biggest feeling that I got from my buyers was heartbreak and exhaustion. I think those were the two biggest things, right? Yeah. Because you know, the, the old adage is if you, especially for, you know, homeowners that needed to sell their house, the goal is you, you buy a house, you sit in it, you do your due diligence, you pay off your principal, you gain equity, and then when you want to upgrade, you sell the house, you use the equity to buy the new house, and you have a 20% down payment. And that's how it's supposed to work. What we saw in the old market was the complete opposite. Um, there were, you know, new cash buyer programs that were helping buyers because they couldn't list their house and go contingent because they were competing against 15 other cash offers. Some of them are from investors, some of them from, were from you know, out-of-state transplants. But at the end of the day, we ran into, and I, I know I did, I'm sure you did, you guys did as well, we ran into so much buyer fatigue, they were just throwing their hands up going, dude, I, like, I'm sorry if this is PG-13, but fuck this. Like, right. This is not <clears throat> worth it, I'm gonna sit and wait, because they just kept getting beat out. Yeah, it's, I always tell my clients, look, when you're looking at a house, you know, we rate a system zero to 10 if you like the house, whatever. Uh, imagine finding the dream home of your life 13 times, but every time you find it, you get beat out in the offer. It's like falling in love 13 times, getting your heart broken 13 times. Well, not it, only that, we talked about it a little bit uh, previously before the podcast. That turned into buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. And the statistic for 2021 was anybody that bought a house in 2021 nationwide, 47% of those buyers experienced buyer's remorse because they felt they were pressured into a position that they were offering on a home, and not only offering, but offering 50, 75, $100,000 over on a house that the only criteria it met was it had a roof, windows, and they wanted an offer, right? 100%. So that was another piece where it's like, yeah, you got into a place, but they felt pressured into it. And I, to me, it was just, it was hard to watch, right? And we do our yeah. due diligence to try and make sure that doesn't happen. But at the end of the day, if the client wants to purchase a house and put it in an offer, our job is to give them the information and, and, and do that for them. And unfortunately, you know, 
you got to make a decision within an hour on something that you're gonna live with for the next five to seven years it's tough yeah if that you think about it right you, you see a house for you know back to, at that time showings were so booked up you had 15 minutes maybe 30 right. yeah. 30 minutes if you're lucky 15 minutes or and, staying really quiet as eight other authors yeah. were in there like how do you like this house Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> right. yeah, so you have 15 30 minutes to see this house yep. Uh, yeah, you're in the inspection for what two, three hours max, and then you're expected to live in this house for what five to seven years. And that's that's if you had an inspection, right? Well, yeah, you, I mean, you <laughs> do the know? inspection, you know, that you buy this house more expensive than you yep. probably should, and it, it needs a furnace, it needs a, all yeah. these other things. So, yeah, it was tough, right? I think um, ultimately, what we can probably agree on is for sellers, it was overwhelming in some ways. Mm -hmm. They were getting anywhere between ten to thirty offers per uh, listing oh, yeah. in the first weekend. And they were expected to make a decision um, very hastily. Mm -hmm. And then you have buyers who had to basically give up not only their firstborn kids, but the skin off their back and their shirt off their back for paying overpriced with cash to cover any gaps in appraisals. And uh, ultimately, we're never really happy with their transaction 50% of the time. Yep. Well, and, and so there was buyer fatigue, right? And, and the falling in love. Well, it was more of your wants and needs went out the window. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was, okay, I want this house. I, I, I need somewhere to put my family. So the, the sellers were getting overwhelmed with the fact that if they needed to buy again, now they were on that side. Mm -hmm. And that's when offers got interesting. You know, what's more important to you? $50,000 or someone that could give you some time to find your, your home now, because now you're in, you're in their position. Mm -hmm. And that was very interesting going into and trying to figure that out as an agent as well, because you, 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 you want to do your job as best as possible and then be realistic with the timeline and what's going on with the market. And that was tricky. Yeah, so the, to transition to what we want to talk about next, my example of my listing was we purposely listed in March because we knew interest rates were going to go up. And we ended up closing, I believe it was April 30th, somewhere around there. So now fast forward to June, and all of a sudden the brakes got slammed, and we got whiplashed. So what does that look like now from a new market standpoint? Yeah, so a great transition into the new market. So the reason why we say new market and old market is just an easy way for our, our clients, our you know fellow agents to kind of put in their minds what it looks like, what it feels like. So as we moved into June, rates went from 2.75, and it went all the way up to around six, six and a half in Absolutely. some cases. So if you think about that, we have record appreciation. So the home mm -hmm. that was once worth 550,000 is now worth 625. On top of that, your rate went up over 2% yep. in the course of a 90 yeah. to 180 day time frame. That's insane. So that hurts. Yeah, affordability. Affordability, got, yeah, Absolutely. Affordability got pushed out. And then you had the rates um, that started to really push out folks who were first-time home buyers who couldn't mm -hmm. get in. And then the other part of this is inventory. So we had a bunch of folks who went in and signed contracts on these brand new beautiful homes in November, December at rates at 2.75, 3%. Yep. And then fast forward to June, they're supposed to close in June, July, and all of a sudden they can no longer qualify. Or they're just not happy with the 4000 a month payment. Right. So then we saw about an 85% cancellation rate with one of the major home builders in the state of Colorado between June and July. Two months, 85% cancellation rate. So now you have all these brand new houses that hit the market at the same price, if not lower, than existing resale mm -hmm. homes. Huge difference in when you have that amount of inventory and who people who can't afford homes. And like James has said, it was like a hard, it's been the hardest I've ever felt in the, in the industry. And you know, you deal more with new construction out of the group of us here, um, said builder, I, I heard somewhere or read a statistic that they, they had seven closings 
in the month of July throughout the state, something crazy like that? It was that. a pretty crazy number, right? And, and it was super low. And a lot of these builders um, have gotten pretty wise to that, right? So they understand. So they're going to get aggressive, which is good, right? As we get into some of the expectations, some of the things for the for the new market, uh, it it's just uh, it's just crazy how it all came to a head. Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about the supply chain, right? So at that point, a lot of the supply chain issues have been remedied, or they've you know been uh, we finally caught up to a lot of it. Mm-hmm. So add it all up, we're in a new market now with higher rates, more homes to sell and buy, and ultimately different feelings across the. I would say the political spectrum is probably the best way to put sure. it. Yeah. So what, what's the noise you guys are hearing in the system well, right now? Let's talk about um, the, the, you know, you would think there was a flood of listings now, right? Because, you know, it just, people stopped buying. But there was also a fallout on listings, at least from my perspective. I had to pull two of them because of the rate hiking up. We were, they were forced to drop down, right? To kind of balance that out. And a lot of sellers were like, well, now it's not worth it to me. So that kind of, that, that kind of maintained not a big spike in inventory because we, we're, still, we're still low. We're still low in inventory. Um, so that, that kind of kept it from like spiking back up and turning to a complete buyer's market. Mm-hmm. They, have, they have way more possibilities to buy now, but there's still not a lot of inventory out there on the resale, on the, on the, on the new construction <clears throat> side, maybe, but not on the resale side. Yeah. Yeah. To, frame, to frame that up for you guys uh, from a t- statistics standpoint, so NER releases, you know, their monthly housing update, right? And this one actually just came out this morning. So hot off the press for you guys and girls listening. Uh, when we talk about inventory, Oscar makes a fantastic point. We didn't just build a ton of new houses that now people can move into. Buyers have been pulled from the pool and are no longer shopping. And sellers are hesitant to move on from record low mortgage rates to upgrade to something that's going to be a higher end mortgage rate. So from a statistics standpoint, the, what NAR came out with, so end of August, uh, 1.28 million units, which was a decrease of only 1.5% from July. Uh, but from August 2021 to August 2022, it's actually the same. So we had the same amount of houses mm-hmm. that we had last August that we did this August. And the telling factor to me when we talk about supply is we talk about a buyer's market and a seller's market. And in order for it to be a balanced market, we need about six months of inventory yep. is kind of what the standard is. From last year, we're up two months of inventory, right? But it's only at 3.2 months. So we're not all the way to that six month right. inventory. Not even balanced. So it's not, it's, yes, we have less supply, but it's it's for different reasons than people think. And sorry, more supply, but it's different for than what people think because if we didn't build ten houses, all of a sudden everybody's got choices. We just have less that are coming as resale houses because people are hesitant and buyers are getting priced out. Yeah. So you still have a delicate balance in a new market standpoint. The good news is I think that behooves buyers currently uh, for a multitude of different reasons that we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but yeah, it's very, very different where buyers don't have to sit there, see a house for 20 minutes, make a decision in an hour, and then put it in an overextended offer, and then regret the purchase. Yeah, and so all these driving factors, right? So, you know, we got rates rising, we have a bit more inventory relative to three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. And also the prevailing sentiment <clears throat> that we're in this crazy bad economy, inflation is high, and this and this. And yes, inflation is high. Um, it, there's been some drastic rate increases from the Fed that have caused I think ripple effects that people didn't quite which expect. Which today we'll know if it hasn't already come out. Yeah, and the market's up, like the, the stock market's up today, which is good. Um, a lot of the times what these banks do is they pre, 
anticipate the raise, raising the Fed, mm -hmm. and so they start raising their rates ahead of time. Just That's why we saw the massive yeah. spike the last two weeks yeah. when we went from what five point five percent interest rate on mortgages to about six point two yeah. on average. Nothing changed. They just realized, hey, you know what? Inflation didn't come out great for August. Most likely, we're going to see a seventy-five basis point hike. We'll price it in now, which and you guys will see. Pay attention to it. Fed's going to announce that today. What you're not going to see is a spike in mortgage, mortgage rates. rates. Mortgage rates already brought in. So they've already sort of calculated. Yep. Plus, they think it over anticipated. And from what I've been told, right? Um, everyone says all these things, but the biggest fear for mortgage banks right now is: let's say you get a mortgage at six and a quarter. Um, they know you're going to refinance once this thing gets low, right? They know that that's the case, and so it's they're scared to offer the lower rates until they know what they the, the bigger picture will look like. Mm -hmm. So and that's the biggest, uh, I think, though, the, the biggest thing that's really scaring buyers away. So affordability in the pricing, but also the sentiment that, like, oh, my gosh, the housing market's crashing and yeah, 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 into the world things. 2008, I mean, I keep seeing these things on video, like, oh, foreclosures are up, like, 250%. Uh, they, what they don't tell you, though, is that 250% is up on, like, 0.001%. Mm -hmm. So really, when you think about it, we're talking about fraction of an increase in foreclosures and a lot of these things and a lot of these situations um it's not the housing market it's the personal situation that the person got yes. themselves into Agreed. more than it's the prevailing market yep. so i just there's so much noise and fear that's being sown out there again comes back to the reason why we do this podcast is so we can help navigate that noise give you the most information you can so you can make the most educated decision possible and ultimately you know put yourself in a better position for you and your family and I, I do believe that uh, where we are now in our new market is healthy. Mm -hmm. And we're going to get into the reasons why here shortly for both buyer and seller. As a seller, I think there's fantastic opportunity out there if you really think about what you're trying to accomplish with your real estate needs. Yep. Agreed. So and, to summarize the new market, old market, so what do you think, Oscar? How would you summarize new market versus old, old market? Old market, we were pricing well to maintain leverage and help the, the the sellers on the buy side trying to get them in the market now the flip side on on the, the new market um we are trying to stay ahead of the curve like the banks they they they, they up the rates and you know they, they have to do their cost analysis um now we're trying to stay ahead of the curve of pricing it to where it's going to sell and trying to have that conversation with with the client so now instead of um, you know, pricing it well and it's going to go up. Well, we got to price it well so we don't go down further. Mm -hmm. And and that's 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 the biggest that's the biggest change. And you know, now your your client has the weekend to think about it. And hopefully, we stop that buyer remorse because then then we will see foreclosures and short sure. sales. Yep. Agreed. Jim, how would you how would you summarize new market versus old market? Simplest way I can summarize it would be we've got a, a chaos versus strategy shift, right? And in the old market, it was chaotic in the sense that sellers had expectations and they sometimes went above and beyond. And I mean, I know this is going to sound terrible, but like sellers were stressed out with how many offers they were getting because it's like paralysis by analysis. They didn't know which one to pick and which one's going to suit their goals, but they had to make a decision because people are knocking on the doors. Buyers were just throwing everything at everything just to get into a place, right? On both sides, I think. That's what I experienced. Now we're, we're back into the strategy portion of real estate in general, buying and selling, investing, whatever it is, where not only should you be doing your due diligence on both sides, buyer and seller, but you are now afforded the opportunity to do so. So I believe that it's going to give, you know, buyers that have been completely burnt out a chance. Sellers, to JC's point, are still gonna be able to accomplish what they need to accomplish as long as there's a strategy involved. 
And our job is to make sure that with those two uh, groups of, of clientele, how do we then take all this other information that we're getting from the Fed and from the news and from my mom's brother's sister's aunt's cousin and make it make sense to people that are looking to buy and sell or rent or invest going forward into this new market. Uh, and the better that we can communicate that, I think the better decisions people are going to be able to make. Could agree more. I think uh, for me, the simplest way I could get it is in real estate or in, in any market financially when it comes down to it, you know, you can't always look at the past to understand where we are today because things are ever changing in the world. And if we're trying to predict the future, good luck, right? In this business, mm -hmm. when it comes to finances, you just can, you can, we can look at the past and try to come up with like, you know, trends and whatnot. But ultimately, here's the deal. Here's my analogy I like to use. When you jump on a treadmill and it's going seven, you're gonna fall on your face. If you jump on a treadmill, for great YouTube. Oh, it's so good, okay. especially for couple of bourbons. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, if you jump on a treadmill going ten, when you were used to it going three, you're gonna probably fall on your face too. And yep. if you jump on a treadmill going ten and it's going two, you're gonna try to overrun. You probably fall on your face. So the goal is to make sure you get educated in the market. Where how fast is this treadmill going? Because what it was going in the past really has no bearing on today. Sure. Because we want to make sure we take care of you today. Because like us, like when I remember all this Deutsche coin and all this crazy stock market stuff. People are like, oh, I'm rich. I got all this internet money. Great. Did you cash out? No. Well, the money's gone. Right. Mm -hmm. It's unrealized. So why are we worried about it? Why are we talking about something that doesn't longer exist? And that's what we want to do. We want to set you guys up for success today. Yeah. And that's what the next part of this podcast is to get is those strategies and, and how we handle that with both buyers and sellers. And, and one more thing, um, to JC's point, if you do buy a treadmill, just read the user's manual first mm -hmm. because oh, yeah, yeah. it could be very hurtful. And that's us, the user. Yeah. The user <laughs> that's manual. who we are. But, and, and, <laughs> and also on this point is not look to the past, but the, the present, and I think now we're, we have the new baseline, right? So this is the baseline where we, where, where we need to move forward from and not look 90 days behind and overpriced and stuff like that. So we're at our new baseline. Agreed. Exactly. So this is where we get into buyers of the new market, right? So we're having fun. And as you are a buyer of the new market, we should be having fun now. thousand percent. So uh, Jameson. Yes, sir. Buyers of the new market. So what's some expectations for them now? I think the expectation is they should be excited. And I say that because this is the first time that I've seen that there's actually an opportunity to get in the house that you want, take the time to make the decision, get seller concessions to help pay down some of these crazy prices like rate increases, mortgage insurance, you can get three and a half percent down. I mean, we talk about leverage all the time in real estate in general. Um, and if you've ever been investing in real estate, leverage is huge, right? You wanna get into the best house for the littlest money possible. And I am pumped that my buyers can now do that realistically. And if you break down the math, yeah, home prices have increased, right? I think 7.5% year over year this month, but we're not looking at 21% uh, equity increases anymore. So that same house that they were looking at in January they couldn't get, now they can get. And the monthly payment, if you get concessions and different things that are prepaid, it's paid for by the seller because there's less competition, the monthly payment's actually the same. And now they can go in and they're not offering $50,000 plus their firstborn plus a really nice bottle of bourbon they don't want to part with to get into a house. So I think from an expectation standpoint, if you are a buyer, I'll stand by this forever, the right time to buy your house is when you're ready, right? Based on your lifestyle, based on your finances, so on and so forth. But it is super exciting. And I'm pumped for anybody looking at a house right now that can actually take a breath and go, you know what guys, I like that house. I think I'm gonna make an offer, but I might go look at two other houses just to be sure. 
And to me, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. It's something we haven't seen in two years. I'm pumped. Oscar, what's your expectation? Pendulum for has swung. Um, we went from expectations that you know the sellers are gonna get everything. Now the buyers are gonna get some. Mm-hmm. And depending on the little guy's gonna win. Well, it was yes. David and Goliath for a while. And also, you know, set the expectation with your seller. You know, because in some areas we're dropping seven, ten plus percent. And set that expectation up front. Yeah, absolutely. And then your buyer as well. You know, it, yes, there's a ton of, well, not a ton, but more inventory. You have time. There's just not a whole lot of time. But you are going to get those concessions. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're going to be set up a little better. Yeah, agreed. Depending, and even with the with the rate hike. Yeah, I I feel very much like these gentlemen. Um, this is fantastic. So for the last two years. As a new buyer, especially first-time home buyer with limited cash, you couldn't compete. End of story. Oh yeah, stop. Not like, even close. Just not happening. It's like racing the same bolt. And finally, I'll there's been some out. reprieve. There's been some. You can't <laughs> cheat, Oscar. Okay, yeah, stop cheating. So uh, I Throw feel some marbles on the track. <laughs> yeah, sorry, bro. Gotcha. <laughs> I feel if we're not talking to anybody who's renting a home for more than twenty-one hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. about the options for buying. We're doing themselves as a disservice. And I'll go back to the best you know, story I've ever had. I think it was like my third client, second or third client ever. Met him at an open house. Uh, they came in looking at this open house, finally got him qualified. They had almost no money to their name. So we got him pre-qualified with a down payment assistance program. Definitely. Which we're gonna do probably a whole episode on this, guys, just to, as a caveat. Yeah. Down payment assistance programs, especially now when we're talking about buyer's advantage, mm-hmm. are is probably the most powerful tool if you fall into the stipulations that you need, which are pretty expansive, uh, that we've seen in a very long time. So, hundred percent. And again, in the last two years, to be honest, they haven't been very much useful because of the way that they uh, they require some help in cash, or whatever. So, Dude, I had I had sellers tell me to, to fuck off if I had submitted an FHA <laughs> chaffa. Down that was a, that was very nice of them. I literally the would they call, said that. dude. I would call back. Hey, so just do me a favor. I know yeah. you guys have some offers. Can you let me know where we're at? So I can set the expectations for my buyer. Yeah. And it was, you need to go conventional. Well, I can't go conventional. Well, then you're not getting this house. Awesome. Thanks for the conversation. I'll talk to you later. Bye. A lot of that is misinformation on, on the listing agent, too. Correct. It because is. Because if, yes. if at the end, end, it's all cash. It starts but that somewhere. Was, that was very yeah. much true. It starts I, I had a lot of experiences like that with my FHA. And I was like, hey, can I educate you a little bit? Right. You well, know? an FHA does have you know stricter stipulations as far as inspection and whatnot. And they, sometimes that's really stupid shit. Right. Like, hey, this baseboard needs to be painted. Why? Right. But also, right? it should, affect, it should but, also affect the fact that just because that's what they qualify for, right. it's a loan that's government backed. Exactly. Right? That we should uh, deny them the opportunity it's to get a very good a loan. loan. No, it's FHA a FHA and VA are yeah. very and, good. And then we'll loans. go into like to the, uh, finish the story, right? So these folks that came in that a thousand dollars of own money got them pre-qualified for a condo, mm-hmm. Littleton. They were able to close. They actually, got money back at closing because we got some closer costs or, or, or paid concessions by the seller. Yep. And they parlayed that one hundred forty-five thousand dollar condo into two more houses five years later. Now we're pre-qualified, looking at a million plus. And this all was possible because they bought one home for 145, took the proceeds of that house, which they only paid $500 of their own pocket for, into another home, which we sold, took the proceeds into another home, and which we're about to list their home to buy a million dollar plus property. That's the power of home ownership that I think in America, like we have the dream of, right? Home ownership, right. and this is what it does for us. This is how we create real wealth that most people can attain outside of, you know, 
401ks and investments that let's be honest like only a certain class of folks in the United States usually take advantage of but home ownership is honestly the reason why I am in this business there's no better feeling than watching that first person right. who never thought they could buy a house that they didn't think they have the money and they never could understand it they, they walk into the house they're crying with tears and they brought a thousand dollars of their own money and that's what makes me excited about this market and it may not be long it might be three months four months five months six months mm -hmm. it might be a year but imagine getting into a home that cost you a thousand dollars of your own money and in three, four years from now, you can cash in $200,000 of equity. Well, dude, think about this, right? So you, that was how many years ago? Woo, I'm not gonna do math, probably seven years ago. Seven years ago. So at yeah, that point- $145,000 house in Denver, eh, it was a little while ago. At that ago. point, JC yeah. had a little bit more hair. Yeah, a lot more hair. A <laughs> um, little bit less whiskey. I didn't even drink bourbon back then. Yeah, That's how you know less that- less whiskey. Uh, that was a long time ago. A <laughs> very long time ago. Um, but if you think about it, we deal with client, we deal with qualifications all the time, right? We're not on the lending side. Small pitch here. We'll have lenders on our show as well to, to talk to you guys about different things. But the thought process I have is they bought a $145,000 house because that's what they qualified for, right? Seven years later, they're now qualifying for a million plus. If I were to take somebody in a corporate job or any career for the most part and say, hey, in the next seven years, I want you to get enough ra annual raises to where you can increase your purchasing power on a home by $900,000. How realistic is that? Home ownership is a dummy proof investment you don't but have to do from anything. a corporate job standpoint it's it's fucking impossible right absolutely like you're talking a three percent raise you may get a a, a promotion at the ten percent raise Not even you that. start the making motion like on average your salary increase per year is like two and a half percent right if you're lucky enough to get a raise they're going to give you a, what seven percent and if you end. do the math you're probably talking maybe 20 years until you can afford a million dollar home versus a thousand dollars out of your own pocket and then you just continue to invest and you continue to buy and sell. And in seven years, you accomplish what you couldn't have accomplished in 20 had you not started the process. So just as a caveat, like I said, I think it's, I agree with JC, it is amazing the opportunity you have from a home ownership standpoint in the US. 100%. Yeah. And then so strategies, right? So I'll get into a couple of them. Uh, now, keep in mind, these are my secret set of strategies, so don't copy me. Joking, obviously. Let me get a new um, page. I want everyone to understand this because I do believe that- If you're at home, write this down. Yeah, I do believe that uh, getting into a, a home now is, or if you have not, if you're still renting, getting into a home is one of the biggest things that sets you up for the rest of your life. So what we've been coaching our agents as well as coaching our, our buyers is, so rates are higher. It's no secret yeah, out there. We're, we're over 6% now. Rates suck and inflation sucks. Yeah, so we're, yeah, facts. We're, so, but what I'm kind of thinking and what we've been talking about is rates are what rates are. We can't control that. But what we can control is the offer and the terms of the offer to put together. So what we're looking for specifically are homes that are market 21 plus days or more mm -hmm. that have been sitting and that you know they price this home at the old market pricing. Big mistake. Not the new market pricing. So what we're, we found is that we go get that home this is resale in particular. We go get this home at the uh, old market pricing. We can offer a new market price that is comparable to home selling currently and take that either discount in price or seller concessions to buy down that rate to what's affordable today for these clients based on the monthly payment. Sellers are still going to get what they're going to get because the market's gonna dictate that. We can't mm -hmm. dictate that, no matter what. If you meet an agent that says, oh, I can get you. No, no, no. A house is worth what someone's willing to pay at any given moment in time. Mm -hmm. End of story, I'm gonna drink to that because no one's gonna make me believe anything different to that. No, I will Your die on that hill as well. Yes. Your house is worth what someone's willing to pay you for it. So now we get this house at today's market's price. We get the 
concessions and closing costs, you buy down the rate. To James's point earlier in the pod, what's the difference between buying the house today at that lower price point with that lower rate that we bought down than it was three, four months ago? No competition. You take time on the inspection. You get the items you want. You still get the payment you want. You get the house you want. Win-win for everybody. And you don't have to come out of pocket $50,000 to cover the prison gap. No. And even if you get that higher rate, you're still getting the house at a lower price. And guess what? You're not tied to not refinancing. So when that rate goes down, guess what? Now you have best both worlds. You bought it at a cheaper price, and now you get a refinance maybe in the future for 5%, 4% fixed rate. You just got to get creative with the financing up front. Yep. And that's where... Allocate your money different. Agreed. And and double dipping over here, like like you're thinking. Oscar's always finding ways here. Are we double dipping bourbon? Is that... uh, Yeah, I saw him take two drinks when we took one. So double dipping bourbon. Uh, But ultimately, the the goal here is to get you all into the home you want, the price you want, at the the, uh, payment you want. Yep. And like Oscar said, you could get the rate down. Rates are variable. They're going to change today, tomorrow, next year, next month. But once you buy the house, the house is yours. And My you God, they changed. What did we just say? They double in six months. Basically. Right? And at the end of the day, you know, there is some just say cra- it, Oscar. Say it crazy with chest, sav- Say it with chest. Crazy sa- savvy investors that are always like, well, we rent everything. But you know what? Their, their monies are in different vehicles, making money all the time. But for your average consumer, if you're renting, you're getting 0% back from that rental. Yeah. Right, uh-huh. and and in your home, it's, it's always going to do something, yeah. even if it goes up uh, year over and three percent, you're gaining something, and it's yours. Yeah, and you you're not ta- re- renegotiating leases and the tax write-offs and the tax write-offs, yeah. which is a whole other thing. And the other part of the investment side or a strategy side there is con- new construction. Right, go back to new construction because the reality is they have to offload this inventory if they have it because they get hit with higher payments. They are holding rates. Promotional financing that are 399, 425. They are getting super creative and trying to get these houses sold. Just this month alone, we have four clients under contract with new construction at 4.5 or below. And the home that we're buying is anywhere between 100K and 50K below what they wanted to buy sell the house for. Which, by the way, builders are not realtors. So when they do price these homes, it's it's different, man. Like, it's also I, negotiable. It's negotiable. Just like everything else in real estate is negotiable. But don't just assume that a builder has priced something correctly just because they're a builder. And they that make means you believe it. Nothing. They yeah. have a profit margin. They've got a PL that they have to pay attention to. Yeah. That's where they price their homes. It we have seen it time and time and time again that what market value is versus what these homes are. And JC can give you examples of some of his relationships with some of the new builds where they've asked him, hey, what should we price this at? And yeah. he'll tell him, dude, you're fifty thousand dollars over. Sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah, this would have sold back in February when money was cheap. But just because you have profit to hit, that doesn't mean a buyer is going to go, oh, my God, you guys have a profit to hit? Let me feed your family. Fuck that. They're out for themselves. And that's what our job is to, to you know, um, represent you guys as buyers and understand, yeah, this might be a price here. But for all intent and purpose, what the market value is may be completely different. And then you add into it incentives and quick moves and different things. There is ample opportunity to get into something that you will absolutely love for a, che- a price or a monthly payment or a rate that is a lot cheaper than you actually think. Yeah. And if it sits on the market, their profit margin is going to go away. Well, they, exactly. get, they get crushed with yeah, that. They get crushed. So they're to paying s- utilities. They're paying everything. Oh, they're paying everything. So to summarize our build, our, our buyers of the new market, strategy really – Y'all should be excited. What we're pumped, what we're pumped about is it, it's exciting. You guys can get a house. Get a creative. brand new house. There's get different creative. things out there. They're still building. They're still happening. So we're focused on 
getting folks into homes with the payment they can afford today yes and the pricing that's going to make sense for them so that in the future if they can refinance they're going to be sitting pretty without competition builders taking advantage of all the programs and offerings they have at low rates that are fixed and and uh, ultimately get as many people into those homes for as little money as possible while it's easy to do so or easier per se. Correct. Yeah. What's your scenario, right? We're here to fill the need. We're problem solvers. Yeah. That's what we do. Let, let, let us know what you need. So now it sounds like, oh my gosh, buyers, buyers, buyers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sellers. So sellers, the new market. What Information. Is what is the expectation? I think the expect the, the theme for sellers, mm -hmm. and this happened anytime you have such a, just insane change in a landscape or a paradigm shift so quickly, somebody's gonna get whiplash, right? And I don't care what you say, you're gonna get people that benefit and you're gonna get people that feel like they're getting fucked, right? Basically how it is. So from a seller standpoint, my overall theme for them is be realistic, right? And, and identify and define your goal and why you're selling your house, right? Because Love what that. happened before, is people were selling the house for one or two things, right? I want to upgrade or I want to downsize or I want to cash out an equity and go rent and do something, retire in Costa Rica, whatever it is, which by the way, great that's what I'll be yeah, doing. Great uh, tax benefits. Right? Too. Great tax benefits. But that being said, that shifted over the last two years when sellers went, oh my God, I can essentially win the lottery because I'm just sitting on a gold mine because 30 offers are coming in, so on and so forth. Well, what it did was it just morphed everybody's mindset in how you sell a house and what your expectations are. And now that it's shifted, everybody's playing catch up, right? Like you guys look at the market every single day, yeah? Take the treadmill, yeah. right? right? We're jumping on a treadmill. Exactly. Yeah. And well, the buyers, I like your analogy with the Deutschcoin thing. That's kind of what happened. You know, Wait, is my Dogecoin? It's it, crap. <sighs> Dude, you're broke. Really? Yeah, you're Damn. done. But new... Sellers, new, new sellers are in a different category than the past sellers. Yes. They're like, oh my God, well, I just lost fit. Did you lose 50,000? It was you, fake money. You never really what had it. What was it? it? It's, uh, it's Fugazi, Fugazi. It's Fugazi. Yes. It's, 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 it's <laughs> Setting up the expectations. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you go after that because that was, yeah, you know, down in the chest. No, it is. It, it, it is. it is you set realistic expectations. You guys can still achieve what you're trying to achieve because think about it, right? You may not be able to get what you got for your house in January. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just not going to happen, right? Yep. I think this month, or sorry, not this month, August, was the first month in the last, I want to say it was a year, somewhere around there. Fact check me if you want to. Uh, where nationwide, the average purchase to list price went under 100%. Nationwide. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess it, was, it, was, it wasn't a lot. It was 0.5% underneath list price. But that means, that says a lot, right? So no, you're not going to get what you got in January. However, if your goal is to upgrade to a larger house, now you go from the seller side of, I'm not gonna get what I got in January, to the buyer side of, I'm gonna get this new house a hell of a lot cheaper than I would have been able to get to it in January. Case and by I case can actually scenario. buy it on a contingent, like there's, it, it's, it's two sides of the same coin, and people too often get emotionally invested in just one part of the transaction. And again, this is, it's goal oriented, right? If yeah. your goal is to sell and then buy something else, I still think you're in a great position because whatever loss you take on the sales side, you're going to make up for on the buy side because you can get concessions, you can get under asking, you can ask for things on the inspection report, all those different things. So don't be short-sighted. Yes, it does suck. You're on paper, you're not going to make $250,000 extra on your house, right? You're but still if you make 150. If you make 150 because of your equity and then you can get the next house $50,000 under, 
is it different? It's, it's the same. It's a net it's net. The exact it's, a, it's, same. A, it's a net net win, right? And I think the, uh, these gentlemen both touched on a couple of things, right? So if you break down what a seller is going to do, they want to sell a house for a reason. Yes. And as real estate professionals, our first thing when we meet a seller is, hey, what are you trying to accomplish? And unfortunately, there's some bad things, right? So like. The biggest reasons why we sell a house are divorce situations, which sucks. I hate them. 50% population, though. Number two, we're going to relocate out of state. And that, that makes sense because, you know, cost of living has gone up in Colorado. It'll job, always shift, too. Job opportunities are opening up because of the labor market's mm-hmm. been tightened. So they're taking, you know, the ability to, you know, cash out, go find a cheaper place to live, right. work remote, whatever, right? Smart, yep. I like it, dig it. But I hate losing friends and family out here because, again, I love bringing people to where we live. It's fun to hang out. and. Introduce them to certain Colorado is the shit. For those of you listening outside of the state, yeah. you should come. Doesn't suck. Sorry, we're biased. Doesn't suck. Yeah. Uh, plus, again, I give a bottle of bourbon. With Even Californians, you guys are welcome. It's fine. Uh, and- California's a bad name. <laughs> California, welcome to Colorado. Okay, I get it. I'm not a native, but also, like, come on now. Yeah, he's actually from Texas. We, <laughs> we don't talk about that that often, but uh, it is a fact. So, to, 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 touch, to touch on the subject, the hardest and smartest thing to do when making a real estate transaction work is leave the emotional part out of it. Correct. Look at the numbers. Mm-hmm. If you look at the numbers, it makes way more sense. But it's hard. It's hard. To, yeah. I mean, this is your home. This is where you have your family. And, you know, the, the media is telling and you it's, it's worth a million dollars. And it's your equity. Right? And it's your equity. And, and again, we're feeling that need. Yeah. And by the way, I'm a, I'm a native. So, yeah, poo That's on you. two out of three. So, yes. well, my son's a native. <laughs> True. Yeah, son uh, and daughter <laughs> natives. All right. Not uh, the daughter. But, uh, ulti- but again, like, oh, so yeah, you're, you're, right. you're, you're, you're selling. <laughs> Anchor babies. Is that, is that <laughs> okay to one say? Out four, <laughs> one out of four. JC's allowed to stay. I know, I know. Yeah, he got his green card. He, he had his anchor baby, so he's good. <laughs> so you're selling a house because you're relocating. You're selling a house because, unfortunately, divorce situation. You're selling a house because you want to move up. And this is the opportunity for sellers. So move up selling mm-hmm. is going to be a fantastic opportunity between now again until this market shifts back to whatever it's going to be. If you have a home, $250,000 to $450,000, $550,000, is it hard to sell at home if it's priced correctly, guys? Nope. No, absolutely, absolutely not. not. So do you st- are you still going to cash out quite a bit of equity? Absolutely. 1000%. And a good analogy is that when you go to the, su- the supermarket, you're not looking for gum or candies, but where do they put it? Right up front, and it's a good price, and they put that in front of you, you're always going to pick it up. Yep. So pricing rights the same thing. You always pick up the People's Magazine, though. I've seen that. No, I don't even know how to read. So, but he, he loves the pictures. Pictures are great. Yeah. Pop-up um, books. No, you guys want to get some for Oscar for his birthday? <laughs> pricing right is key. It puts it in front of the people. They do their due diligence because we're in the age of the internet. Yeah. The average consumer is going to know a lot of real estate, some good, some bad, some false, some true. I know it sounds like a sales pitch, but get a, even if it's not us, get a good realtor that knows the market. And not only that, knows how to navigate the transaction the best way possible because he is your fiduciary and he needs to be looking after your best interest. Yep, could agree more, especially when you look at the pricing. Because if you price it right in that right in our new market, not the old market, and you're looking to move up, guess where the opportunity is? Six fifty plus, mm-hmm. especially builders. They're accepting contingencies again. They're giving you the rate at three point nine nine, four point two five, or if there's a home set in the market for you know twenty one plus days, we can go get that rate bought down, paid by the sellers. We can get you into your dream home. I always ask the, my uh, anyone who owns a house now. Even my wife, I do this sometimes. I go, hey, 
Babe, if I go wave a magic wand, you know, Larry Kendall, ninja training, love it, if you don't, haven't heard it. What it does is it gives her the opportunity to like, pretend like nothing matters, just tell me what you think. I go, are we living your dream home? Ask her what she says. She has her dream home picked out. It's not the one we live in. And now, and we've talked about it, we can go get that next home. So question for you, JC, or Oscar, either one. When we talk about pricing, right? I, at this point in time, and you look at the statistics around how many houses have taken price drops, even if you price it right, do you guys still believe that from a sales psychology standpoint, people are just going to now, just like they expected to pay over for a house in the old market, I think now they, they're expecting to just pay under for list, what, regardless of what it is. You can pull 30 comps and go, this is what market value is, and a buyer is gonna have the psychology now, and again, this is reading news articles and you know Redfin reports and so on and so forth, or talking to friends and family who've gotten deals, they're just expecting to pay under, Absolutely. right? So how do you have that conversation with a seller? Knowing that that's very, very possibly what the conversation or what the outcome's gonna it's be. A great, it's a great question. Rebuttals, yeah. that's how we do no, it. No, it's a great question. I think, so what, we're, what I'm doing now with listings, so kind of listing heavy lately, is every weekend I look at every home that has sold and that price point or price band of the current listing I have. Key, weekend. Every weekend, so like the- Not the, 60, 90 days no, back. It's, it's it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It is instantaneous. On Tuesday, absolutely. Yep. That's what we're looking at. And what I wanna see is like, what homes are going under contract in our price band? Are they bigger, are they smaller? Mm-hmm. They've been a lot, whatever it is. And the pricing is adjusting accordingly. We're st- still seeing homes go under contract in two or three days. Mm. So we have a place in Parker, beautiful home. What we've noticed though is the homes going under contract, in two or three days, our price about 10, 15 K below where we are. So we need to adjust our strategy price-wise to get that thing sold. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the new market. We have to be hyper aggressive on monitoring the macro and microeconomics of the market. And if you're not doing that, you're doing yourself a disservice and your clients a disservice. Well, and the beauty of it is as a seller, you can also do it and and have, have an opinion, right? Absolutely. Like we're not the end all be all no. resource. We are here to provide information, but with Zilla with Redfin, um, you know, now that their brokerage is like they're they're updating prices just like we are, right? For the most part, on their websites, and I I always look at it as a collaborative effort because at the end of the day, if I'm listing a house, the sellers, you guys are either going to be on board or not on board if I talk about a price reduction, right? And the more often than not, the people that are not on board with that are the ones that aren't as educated on what's happening in the market. And at the end of the day, we talked about it, right? It's your equity, it's your house, it's your plan. You should also be invested to give input. And more than likely with individuals that are very in tune with what's happening, our input's gonna be the same, which then makes the speed to a decision that much faster, which then evolves into the speed at which we sell your house and get you into the next place happens that much quicker. Does that make sense to you guys? Absolutely. Give them, give them options and educate your seller yeah. at the same time. You know you don't have to take that reduction because at the end of the day, the seller doesn't have to sell either. Absolutely. You know, they could just pull and say, I'm good. You know, they don't have to take the offer. But if you say, look, if we take a $20,000 rate or a price reduction, you know, that could be some, or what if we say, we're, we're going to give some concessions. We're going to give $10,000 mm-hmm. so you could buy down your rate, but you got to give us full price. Then that opens the minds of the buyer. Yep. Agreed. You know, you, yep. you got to educate the seller. Yeah. So to summarize sellers, new market, what would you say? Oscar. 
what was the question? Sorry, to, I was to some coffee. The answer, the bourbon. The answer is bourbon. The answer is bourbon. I put the bourbon down. I started drinking like, coffee. My mind went somewhere. It loses water. It doesn't matter uh, what so the Oscar, question just, is. The answer is bourbon. How would you summarize what it is like to be a seller in the new market? Seller, education, and be creative with options as a seller. Don't just take, don't get beat up on price. Know what the actual market is currently, mm-hmm. because we're still. I think as much as I think the baseline's there, it's still gonna. The whiplash isn't over. Nope. And then and then we're going into seasonality, and, and there's a whole other conversation with that. As a seller, educate your seller, know your options, and get creative. Buy side, same thing, but on the financial side, mm-hmm. get creative. With the financial side, roll the dice with maybe a two one buy down, a ten year arm, get that lower rate because the rate will. We'll shift at some point, and guess what? You got it at a lower price, then you refinance, you got the lower rate. It's a win-win. Yep. So it's just education on both sides. Love it. Jameson. So I'm going to – this is an analogy. I think it, it helps, right? And for anybody that's traveled out of the country, follow me along. If I have never left the country and I decide to visit France on a whim and I just go in completely blind, my expectations are – I don't have expectations, right? And I can go in, I can feel lost, and I can feel uninformed, and I don't know where to go, where to stay, who to talk to, how to speak the language, whatever it is. In this market, I think sellers are very similar in that it's just uncertain, right? And the difference between going to France on a whim with zero research versus going on TripAdvisor and talking to a travel agent and talking to friends and family that have visited on places to go and places to stay and what different things look like makes the trip that much more enjoyable if I have that information. From a seller standpoint, if I'm looking to sell my house, do as much research, due diligence, talk to your agent, figure out where the market's at, and the more education, like Oscar said, the more due diligence you do, the more pleasant the process is gonna be. And the quicker you're gonna be able to move, right? Like I just, I feel like the whiplash is, it's still there. We still don't really know where we're at with the market, right? Every time we hit a different level on interest rates, all of a sudden something else is. Every time we hit a different level of inflation, all of a sudden something else comes up. Then there's a war that happens and all these different things, supply chain. Uh, we narrowly avoided uh, a freaking rail line uh, boycott that would have absolutely cratered yeah. our, our inflation, right? Like things will continue to happen. Puerto the market, Rico, the market's right? ever changing. You got, a, you got a natural disaster happening in Puerto Rico. I think it was a thousand people or sorry, three million people without power. power or water. Well, where do you think they're gonna get the resources from the United States? Is that gonna affect our balance sheet? Probably, there's all these different things. So as a seller, the more educated you are and the more you lean on experienced individuals that can give you where the market's at, I think the better prepared you're gonna be in listing your house and being successful and getting to that ultimate goal, whatever that may be. Because if you don't sell your house, you still have the cost of maintaining that house and it's holding you back on what the next step is going to be. Or if you don't sell your house you. and you're okay with staying there, guess what? That's okay too. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like absolutely. it's perfectly fine if you say, hey, you know what? I did my research. I talked to A, B, C individual. I did all these different things. And at the, at the end of the day, I'm okay with staying here. And maybe I'm going to, the money I saved up, I'm going to use it to finish my basement or add on a sunroom or do whatever, upgrade the kitchen. Guess we a, we can help with that too and tell you what the return on investment is. But B, that's also an okay decision to make because all you're doing is you're just putting money into your own investment. Yep. And that's it. And then if you wait three, four, five years because you made more space, cool. No problem, right? That's that, that To me, that's a perfectly sound decision to make based on if you're doing the research and you have all the information necessary. And, and that's the point of this podcast. We're not here to sell you, to put your house on the market. You need to buy. We're 
fill in need, we're educating you. And if staying put is the best case scenario, we want to make sure we give you that education. And we're here to talk about something that we're super passionate about and drink bourbon when we do it and just hang out. Like that's that's what the purpose is, right? If you guys get information from it and can move forward, then I, I see our job as accomplished. I so. have a question. How true is it that they hate Americans in, French, in France? I, I, I mean, you know... It's a bit. Oscar, don't ask a question uh, you already know the answers to. For all the French contingents that are listening to this, we know that you hate us. <laughs> it's cool. I get it. I, I, I sometimes it. hate us, I get too. It. So I get it. We, were, we were in Italy this, this summer, and uh, I get it. I've seen it firsthand. We, we're not great. My summary on this is this, right? So if you're selling a house, you're selling for a reason. Yep. Understand the expectations. Right now, you can't just put a sign in the yard and call it good. Yeah. You have to set the home up to show better than the other homes in your price band. Mm-hmm. Staging painting, carpet, that stuff's expected now if you want to get top dollar. Marketing and all its gamut is key. And so if you're okay to do the work ahead of time to get top dollar and as quick as possible, perfect. If you don't want to do that, you're gonna have to lower your price because that's how selling homes works. Mm -hmm. You're either gonna be the best of the price band or you're gonna price to where your home is at the price band. Our goal when we list a home, is we take care of all that nonsense for you, right? So shameless plug here. Ultimately, when we sell a house, the reason why we usually sell it for top of price and as quick a time as possible is because we make sure we do all this stuff for you. And we include this in our strategy. Agreed. And the strategy on the seller side is key. I believe 100% there's absolutely opportunity when it comes to being a seller because most people aren't doing the steps it takes to sell the home for top of price for quick as possible. And they don't know what they're trying to accomplish. And it, we are able to di- diagnose that quickly and get you to the next place with as much money in your pocket and as little as time and stress as possible. So don't be scared if you're a seller. Just understand the expectations have changed and there's more work that has to happen. And you have to work with a professional that understands what they're doing and the market they're doing it. And we would love to be the ones to help you do that. But also we could be the ones that can show you how to get there with the, stool, the tools, the strategies, and our experience that kind of helps us out. So new market, old market, I call the new market a bit more healthy in a lot of ways. And as we could tell, the pressure has been released from the valve and things have been more normalized. Things have slowed down a little bit. I actually prefer this slightly because it gives people, so buyers time to understand what they're getting themselves into. Sellers, the opportunity to realize hey, we're going to sell and go to the next place with peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So, Great. guys, I could agree more with that. Uh, can we cheers on that? Like, there's there's one thing summary? I'm very, very excited for. Cheers. I hope you guys agree with me. And if you're out there and you browse Zillow and Redfin, I hope you agree with me as well. I cannot wait to no longer see cell phone photos masquerading oh, as pre- <laughs> fucking professional photos. Like, I'm sorry, but now that it's going to take more, let's let's get rid of the cell phone photos, so, guys. Professional so photographers. We, we all agree. If there's, there's, agents, out there, okay. if there's agents out there that are doing that, just, hey, man. Or I upgrade that. your phone. Okay, yeah. don't be Oscar. I have three, iPhone 9. Yeah. No, I have an iPhone 10. I'm, I'm going to get anyone next week. But, uh, okay. Android, use, guys. Come on now. I have three companies that do great listing photos. and, and I've, I've got I'll, a guy off the street that has a Motorola Razor that can also do it. So... No, I, we have great companies. I bet you no. they've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah, not all, you know, those agents too. I think that was fantastic points on all aspects of the new market versus old market. What we're going to do is as we transition to the end of this podcast, we're going to have a little unique take on our name. So I want to have each one of you all give me your 
rock takeaway of the podcast. Sounds good. What are your thoughts? Right. Sounds good. A little cheesy, but it's all right. Oscar, what is your rock takeaway of this podcast? My biggest takeaway is kind of like in all markets, it, if you can take as gingerly as possible as the agent, the emotional part out of it, Be blunt, or maybe rip the damn Band-Aid there off. It Fuck is. it. Let's just Love go. It. Love it. Stick to the numbers. Though The numbers never lie. They're like weights in the gym. 45 pounds is 45 pounds and kick your ass either way. Stick to the numbers. Try to take the emotional part out of it and make it a win. JC, what do you think? Whether it be an ups and downs, sideways, whatever it is, the market's always going to be shifting and changing. So we might like it. We might hate it. The reality is it is what it is. And if you're able to understand what is happening today, there's opportunity for everybody. And that's what I want people to understand is don't think about yesterday. Don't think about tomorrow. Think about today. And let's make the decision that best suits you and your family, and I think you'll win. Mr. Amoros. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm going to go on the buyer side here. I am going to double down on the fact that I am so excited for buyers in this market. And we talked about it a little bit. If you're renting and it's the right decision for you, continue to rent. But make sure you have enough information. And when I say information, I mean quality information to make that decision. Because there's a lot of people that will rent and they'll see news articles and be like, yep, makes more sense to rent. If we start adding in seller concessions, if we start adding in rate buy-downs that you can buy with seller concessions, paying off mortgage interest, you'll find that your monthly payment now versus January when you had to pay $50,000 over that same townhome, condo, house, whatever it was, is actually the same. So don't let that hold you back. Um, And I think that this this market, at least over the next foreseeable future that we we can kind of predict, uh, gives us a massive opportunity uh, for buyers to get into the house that they want. And I think that's super important to make sure you guys are getting as much information as possible from credible sources, reach out to us and uh, we'll see if we can help. So knowledge that's my is power. Knowledge is power. And that's my rock that I take away. So speaking of rocks, mm-hmm. I think everybody here that enjoys whiskey is looking for our ratings. And we're going to do a little bit differently from a rating standpoint. A lot of people are uh, used to, you know, hey, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the best, that shit's boring. We're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, if you're a bourbon or a whiskey fan, you know that the better the whiskey, the less rocks you need in the glass. Is that correct, mm-hmm. boys? Absolutely. Agree. 100%. So this is how we're going to do this going forward. We're going to rate each whiskey on a scale of 10 to 0. 10 being the worst, 0 being the best because it's the most drinkable, and you don't need rocks in the glass. Neat. Absolutely. Yeah. You you know what? You are neat. I'm kind of excited about this because one of these days you guys are going to like get a little buzzed and get it in reverse. And I can't wait to laugh at that. <laughs> oh, dude. Yeah. I will fuck this up at some point during this podcast. hundred uh, percent. Right. Uh, I'll be like, this shit belongs in Coke. Yeah. Uh. Oscar's yeah. used to the metric system. Which by the way, if anybody suggests us to taste Jack Daniels on this podcast, I will personally hunt you down um, and make you not do that again. Just Jack Sinatra is actually really good, but we won't get into that one. Well, what's your thoughts? So Oscar, tell me. The bourbon, um, super smooth. Uh, Rock-wise, it's a little bit above middle of the road. I'm going to go with four rocks. Okay, four rocks. Got it. Jameson. Hold on. (laughs) So Smoke Wagon is probably one of my favorite for the price. Um, Mm I, I like it because you can throw it in an old fashioned and it still maintains its flavor. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna rate it a little bit better than Oscar. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three rocks. Hmm. Yeah, three rocks. Yep. By the way, I will make an old fashioned out of. Any bourbon that I own, don't I don't care that. how expensive. Don't say that. Oh, I, I, I well, definitely that will. Oscar's collections. So uh, I'm a lousy collector because I drink them. I don't. I don't collect them. I drink them. I, I'll buy a James expensive the same one. I keep getting James a nice bourbon. And he's like, ah, I drank it's, it last night. Yeah, gone. because it stares me in the face. It's like for. I'm really good. So why crazy. would I not drink something that's fantastic? Yeah, I got him a. I can't remember what bottle I got you, and you were like done with it. So I would say I'm gonna go follow suit with Jameson. I'm gonna go three rocks. I think uh, sipping bourbon, can't go wrong with this. It's better than probably anything you'd buy at the price point. And um, it's great. Love it. I think I went with four because you kind of ruined it for me and gave me that uncut stuff. Uncut and it's different. still the same company, and I kind of like that one a lot better. So Oscar's a little bougie. Good, uh, good little news bit. is we have, a, uh, we have a fourth opinion here. It's our cameraman who's also an agent on our team, Charlie Sardelli. So if you guys see a floating hand, uh, he just, you know, he was feeling a little bit left out. So we're going to help out. Hit him hard. Hit him hard. He gets the so, plastic cup. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much to Charlie for cutting this. It's, this podcast has been produced and cut and filtered and coached by him. He's uh, killing it in all phases of not only real estate, but he also. He also has a fedora on, very similar to Oscar. <laughs> so immediately becomes more classy than uh, – JC yeah. and I. Yeah. Uh, Note to self. If you drink bourbon and have a fedora. Do you? Do we bring fedoras next week? You definitely drive the luxury car. Okay. Guaranteed. Are, are these fedoras or new news? I think they're driver, driver caps or something. All right. Fedoras so you can are be like, a real estate uh, agent and Uber driver, also potentially on Peaky Blinders. Agreed. That's it's a very, very transition. His hat so, looks better. He's a little more you, fit than I am, so he rocks it a little harder. <laughs> a little subjective. Uh, I would say uh, let's go ahead and recap this out. So. Guys, if you ever want, or guys and girls, anybody, if you want to get a hold of Jameson, how can I find you? I am at the Colorado Realtor Guy on TikTok and Jameson Amaros on Instagram. Please feel free to reach out with any questions. Mr. Oscar, how can I find you? I am a little bit more old school. I'm at OscarTheRealtor.com or Oscar at OscarTheRealtor.com. And I am on all the internet stuff. I just don't know what they're called. So the easiest way to find me is on my email. JC's in the cloud. <laughs> JC at Metro5280.com. Uh, so again, thank you so much for joining us. I hope yeah, you appreciate it, guys. anything you could from this. Uh, we're going to want to add value any way we can. And can't wait to talk to you all next Hey, week. and give us recommendations on bourbon. Yeah, we're take, open. Taking recommendations. And or topics to talk about. Deuces. Later.